0: Welcome to Sunday Night Live.
1: Seth, thank I'm trying you. to
2: get mine too. There we go. There
1: we go.
0: Who's <laughs> <laughs> all out there signing on Sunday night? Sunday, 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 Sunday doesn't quite have the same, same punch as Saturday. Anybody out there? We got uh, a few people watching. Tell us if you're if you're with us. I'm about to get Sunday Night Live Revelation Bible Trivia going here in just a minute. I know. You've been waiting all week. I can say right now, I can't compete with Andy Broad's uh, stellar hosting. He was on fire on on Friday night. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you should really uh, you should really consider joining us for Friday night King's Church Family Trivia. What's his, what's his name? What's uh, Andy Brods? Scott Rogowski or something like that. I think Scott Rogowski.
1: Yeah.
0: That's who it is. Yeah. Scott Rogowski. Awesome. Who's out there? I see Brian Gowdy and 41 other people uh, that have dared just to notify themselves, to identify yourself. People, we've got some, uh, we've got some trivia for you here on sunday night i don't know if i should share this on my page just a sec i'm gonna do that while people sign on seth what was it like to preach all day
2: oh man i'm tired out are you tired, tired. tuckered right out man,
0: man it takes a lot of
3: t- like four
2: times
3: four t- times today yeah <laughs> yeah I'm hanging out in your friend's basement all day
2: all
0: day all day that's for
1: sure yeah
0: man you did a good job it it is hard i'm not gonna it's hard to preach to a camera like that with no no crowd interaction at all i will never complain again about how dull how dull uh crowds can be once in a while because there's no dull like just you and a camera
2: (laughs) yeah it's so true it was just me and one cameraman and it was just not the same you know because uh you know when you're preaching you're always feeding off the crowd and you know but anyways it's a fun experience
0: i think there's some confusion uh out there in the uh the interweb some people looking for this on the brent ingersoll page um i just shared it so maybe some people will hop over so yeah here comes some folks here they come that's the number as <laughs> <That's> the number <laughs> You know, a digital community. All right. Well, we got some people. We got 70 people. We got a critical mass. Let's let's get going with the fun. Uh, let's to warm things up while people come, let's do a few questions out there. Uh gonna need more more people participating than Brian and GNC Frazier, Uh, but here we go. I got a few questions just to get everyone warmed up on the topic of revelation. Here's question number one, which of the seven churches in Revelation 2 and 3, which of the seven churches had lost their first love? Which of the seven churches had lost their first love? They They needed a cardiac restart. Who was it? Does anybody remember which church had lost their first love trying to think of a song about losing your love got nothing how could you just let me walk away (laughs) let me leave without a trace no take a look at me now you lost that that, is, is this weird that I'm just singing this to you too? Yeah, you're on your own. Here.
3: <laughs> yeah, I'm not joining in on this one. So. Yeah, I've lost that loving feeling.
0: There's nothing left. Yeah, that's the one. There you not, go. Not, yeah. I can't fight this feeling anymore. All right, anybody out there taking a guess at which church which church had lost their first love. There it is, Peggy. Thank you, Peggy. And she is correct.
2: Good job, Peggy. With
0: the church at Ephesus. If you're wondering why it takes us two minutes to respond to your answer, that's because we're two minutes ahead of you. We are in the future right now. Isn't that crazy? (laughs) Really? (laughs) We are in the future, so you're two minutes behind us, so that's why you got to make those answers quick. Don't wait for us, all right? Yes, Ephesus, people know it. Okay, here's a bonus question on the church in Ephesus who had lost that love and feeling. Jesus gave them uh, some instruction on how to get it back. Does anybody know what Jesus told them to do in order to restart their heart? Church in Ephesus had lost their first love and Jesus gave them some instruction and said, here, do this, and this will restart your heart. Does anybody know what that was? What the instruction was? I'm trying to think of another song, another love song. My, uh, my four-year-old loves the 80s. He, ha- he is a big Rick Astley fan. <laughs> I don't know why, we have a Google, home mini in our kitchen and every time he walks by he said hey google play never going to give you up by rick astley (laughs) every time so it's quite uh it's quite old not gonna lie go back and do what you did at first samantha saunders in with the you get the prize tonight of bible pride way to go samantha
2: by the way, Samantha's Halifax. So
0: oh <laughs> shout out That's to my people awesome. little pastor pride coming in here too. All oh right. All Jesus, right. proud. Jesus
2: proud. Jesus proud right. right now.
0: <laughs> Listen, King's Church St. John. Don't don't leave us hanging here. All right, one more question, then we're gonna get into the discussion. Way to go, Samantha. Way to represent Halifax. Question number three, and this is coming right off, hot off the press today. Pastor Seth cracked open Revelation chapter 4, went a little deeper with it today, and it was a picture where John saw a throne and one seated on it. And here's my question, what was surrounding the throne? What was around the throne? I'm not talking about the elders and the living creatures, but there was something that encircled the throne. What was it? What encircle the throne? Great message, Seth. Sorry for uh, leaving you hanging. I told you in my communion setup, I was going to talk about uh, a certain thing that I'm waiting for the answer on. (laughs) (laughs) I Uh, think we... There it is. I'm seeing it 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 right now. Okay, the rainbow. That's right. Jeanette, Michelle, Joanne, all in there with the rainbow. You got got it right. Here's the follow-up question. What, what does it symbolize what does the rainbow encircling the throne symbolize it is a beautiful picture what does the rainbow encircling the throne of god symbolize yeah sorry for leaving you hanging ladies and gentlemen i told seth hey i'm gonna i'm gonna talk a little bit about the rainbow before i set up communion and then seth in the sermon said and brent talk to us a little bit about that. And I I actually didn't. So it was my bad, sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Hey, hey, listen, we're just, we're learning this assemble a service thing, live stream. Uh, Emerald lights, sort of, Nope, no, it was a rainbow. What does the rainbow signify? What does the rainbow signify? Any, 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 heaven come to earth no we're we're striking out uh (laughs) what do we got here all right seth promise of heaven on earth so it's it's, sort of of, okay yeah what do you got seth preach man do do the follow-up you didn't get to preach that as much so what does the rainbow surrounding
2: simple Uh, man it's uh just it's a representation of god's grace yes his grace and uh his promise especially when you look back and draw back on what he said to noah uh there's a clue there with what is going on in the throne room and what happens in with noah as well in that story with the rainbow so grace is the simple answer for for the rainbow
0: like mercy right like if you If you uh, remember the story of Noah, you know, that, we, that gets lost on us a lot because of the, the symbolism of the rainbow. For us, rainbows have kind of become a, you know, I don't know if this is, I'm not, this is not a political statement, but we don't necessarily associate rainbows with warriors. Is that fair to say? Not trying to offend anybody, just saying, you know, William Wallace did not paint a rainbow on his face before he went and stood up, stood up to the, his English oppressors. So, rainbows generally, for us in our culture, haven't been associated with war. But in the Hebrew culture, that was it, it was a bow. It represented a bow and like a, an actual bow and arrow. And the fact that it, that it was uh, that a rainbow goes like this, pointing to the sky, it's symbolic of God's the the, the bow, the war bow of God. Aiming at himself, mm. that, that he actually had already emptied his wrath, and he was actually doing it on himself. Like that's such an incredible when you think about it like that. Like he'd already he, he wasn't aiming his wrath at the at the earth that he did it to himself. It was, the, the rainbow is actually foreshadowing the mercy of God on the cross. And then there again, you see it again in the throne room, and, and God is encircled in mercy. It's Pretty incredible, especially when you start to think of, like, how powerful that picture is, right? You know, you've got the claps of thunder and cracks of lightning, Mm. uh, which represents, like, so so much of his power and authority, but, like, it's all, you know, his holiness, his grandeur, his goodness, his majesty, his his mercy, his might, all notwithstanding – he's still surrounded in mercy and so that's where you get that scripture like boldly we we can approach the throne of grace not because we we are deserving but because he's merciful because he's good super i think out of that whole picture in my study that's what stood out to me the most was just like i never i'd never thought of that it never occurred to me before this this reading uh, mm-hmm. that he was he's literally encircled in grace incredible Awesome. Well, let's jump into some discussion. We have some questions already, a bunch of them from last week that we didn't get to. And then as we go, uh, I see there's a bunch of you that have signed on here now. Uh, so if you have a question, if you have a question that you would like us to tackle, we'll do our very best. Again, we aren't, we don't have all the answers, but there are some things that we could uh, probably, probably answer. So, if you have a question, go ahead and throw it in there, and we will do our best to get to it. And if not this week, another time. But here's a, here's some questions that came in last week, and we will th- we'll start tackling them. There's some really really good ones, um, and we may even have some a call in later. So it looks to feel like a real radio show. Caller, hi. Anyway, all right. So here's a question from Brent Foster from last week, and this goes to some of what. Seth preached on this week. Uh, it said, Brent says, I believe, I think I know Brent. Brent's a pastor, so he's he's lobbing us a hard one. Thanks, Brent. Uh, how do you interpret the thunderstorm that starts in the throne room scene in Revelation 4 and then intensifies throughout the book of Revelation? What, is, what does the thunderstorm mean? Uh, Seth, you were, you were preaching about that this morning, what the thunder what the thunder and the, the lightning represent? What was it?
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, as it was d- doing some research into this, uh, the thunder, thunder and lightning re- really represents God's judgment or his, his wrath, if you will. Um, just this picture, again, like going back, drawing back to the message, how thunder and lightning, a thunder and lightning storm come through you know, a reaction uh, an atmospheric reaction of positive and negative energy. And so you see uh, a promise in that, that God is going to restore all things. And that's not always easy. A thunder and lightning storm isn't, it's beautiful, but it's dangerous, right? In a lot of ways. And thunder and lightning is a symbolic symbol of God's judgment. We're actually going to see thunder and lightning more and more as we break into the book of Revelation. The question though, I think that says, uh, you know, uh, how do we interpret it? Um, where does it start? Um, I think it's, I think sometimes we read the book of revelation. We kind of think that's new information about God, but I think the thunder and lightning storm have always been around the throne from eternity past to eternity future. Um, another, another really interesting picture of thunder and lightning is if you can recall this in the old Testament, when the people of Israel are out in the wilderness and God comes and descends on Mount Sinai. Right. It very specifically talks about thunder and lightning uh, being in the cloud, um, and so it's a picture of God's judgment, God's wrath. Of course, I think we have a very. I think a lot of us, you know, if we really understood God's wrath, I mean, A. W. Tozer's a great writer to 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 read some of his information on that. The knowledge of the holy has some great information about the, the wrath of God and how to understand that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if we really, really, like looked at and truly understood the thunder and lightning of god we we would want that we would want that to be uh something that god does on the earth and he is going to do it and so um but truly just a simple answer the 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 it really means just his judgment his judgment we actually see this all through the scriptures so
0: yeah yeah i, I love the that observation though and this is important for for people out there that are interested in studying the bible is like the Bible is a continuous story, and it te- it there there is continuation, not just in the book of Revelation, but like Seth says, there, there's the, the picture of the, the lightning and the thunder in Exodus. Take another picture that we saw today, the sea of glass. Um, you see the, the sea, you see the sea, hang with me. The sea is a constant thread from the beginning to the end of the book of the Bible, of the Bible. In the, in the beginning, it says the earth was formless and void and, the, and the, there was a sea and the sea actually for the a Hebrew represents chaos. That's actually what the sea represents. It's chaos. And later on, uh, you're going to see out of the sea, some there's, there's beast, a beast comes out of the sea in, in revelation out, out of the chaos. And then in the very end of the book, it actually says, uh, and there was no more there was no more crying, no more weeping, no more death, and it says, and there was no more sea that actually sea is done away the sea the chaos is done away with, but it's a crazy cool picture when you see that before the throne is a sea of glass, so it's not saying that there is no chaos in the universe, but it's it submits unequivocally to the authority of God like it's not. It's not moving. It's not rivaling him. It's not moving him. It's flat calm. And I think you referenced this in your message today, Seth, when, when Jesus was sleeping in the boat, you know, I, it's funny before you even preach that and I listened this morning, my own Bible time, I was reading, I was reading in Matthew, same story. And I, and I made that connection about the sea and Jesus gets up. Why, you know, why do you have so little faith? And he calms the sea, right? He calms chaos. Amazing. Amazing. How the Bible Though weaves a, a common thread. If you start to catch these themes all through it, it's it's incredible.
2: It, it really is. Just to pick up on that scene in uh, the Gospel of Mark too, the very next section in that is when Jesus. And some of you would know this, where Jesus actually heals a man from multiple demons, legion. Do you remember that? And yep. he casts the demon. The demons say, like, don't don't send us out of this territory. Uh, cast us into these pigs. So Jesus does. And where do the pigs run into? Do you remember? So, yeah, the, sea. the sea it's it's a way of yeah. jesus sending them back to the abyss and and, yeah. and putting them back so uh really interesting like understanding when you understand the context in that so that's a beautiful mm-hmm. image brent i love that actually I, I think it's yeah so
0: i just i just can't believe how packed that vision that vision that snapshot of the throne room is Here's a question I want to ask though, because when you start to read it and hopefully our readers, like if you're or our readers, our, our watchers tonight, like if you are online, why don't you pull up Revelation 4 and like and like read it? It's, I mean, it's, it's beautiful, but let's be honest. It's hard to get your head around too. And there's some weirdness. And let me tell you the weirdness just is just getting started in, in the book of Revelation. Like this is, it gets so weird and so hard to understand. So I want to talk for a minute because there's a question here and it speaks to something that you talked about today too, Seth, um, about this whole, just like how do we understand the book of Revelation? Where was the question I saw um, about whether, what, how we're told, there it is. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of hard to wrap your head around pictures in the Bible, especially in the book of Revelation are we really supposed to take this literally? Are you supposed to read John's description? How, how are we as Christians supposed to, to ingest it? Because it is weird. I mean, you read it and it says, and then I saw four living creatures. One had a face like a lion and it was covered in eyes. And one had a face like a man. And one had a face like an eagle, one, one like an ox. Like that's bizarre. And then it talks about a rainbow and a crystal sea and Jasper and Carnelian. And, and that it was like Jasper and Carnelian. How, how are we supposed to read? The question is how are we supposed to read revelation? Let's just frame that in the whole Bible. I mean, revelation just kind of hits the nail on the head because it's probably the weirdest, but it's up there anyway. What do you guys think?
2: Yeah. I mean, I can speak to that um, just because I spent a lot of time on that this week. Um, we're always asking questions. Do we do we take Revelation literally versus even figuratively? And I just, in my opinion, and basically in my research, I, I've found that it's just really hard. Uh, language doesn't always work that way. And um, for instance, when, when we see the vision, if we look at Revelation chapter four, and I hope everyone who's watching tonight, you have your Bibles open, but it, when it says that he saw one who looked like Jasper and carnelian, is that if we were to take that literally, is he really saying that God is Jasper or a carnelian stone Is, 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 is that what he's saying? Um, in fact, another portion of the Bible we referenced it this morning too, is that God, Paul would say, God is an inapproachable light, right? So is it inapproachable light or is it gemstones? Right. Um, Another good one, Brent opened, cracked open Revelation, Revelation chapter one, the depiction of Jesus and this majestic view of Jesus is that he's got a sword coming out of his mouth. Like, is is he like some sort of like sword mouth guy, sword mouth guy, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, And the truth is the same with us. Like, I mean, we use language all the time that is not literal um, I think I think of an example like this, uh, Brent, I think of it too like this Greg and uh, how many of us have ever used that phrase when' we're, when we 're elated or excited like i 'm standing on top of the world right, right.
1: Um,
2: no we're not are we does that mean we 're actually standing on top of the world absolutely not no it doesn't it literally does not mean that it's just, um, so freezing up so better. this is the way I would approach revelation oh sorry am i, am I you're coming good. in still you're back you're good. back okay. um literal verse figuratively i would say let's read the book of revelation naturally um let's read it um bruce metzger a great theologian who gets paid w- way more money than i do is a new testament scholar hey,
0: man. Uh, said
2: this about okay. church, john
0: king's church compensates you well yeah it's 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 it's, it's
2: up there playing, on the metzger. <laughs> it's up there on the metzger scale for sure anyways (laughs) (laughs) no
0: Seth, fancy to metzger
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) but metzger says about revelation i don't know even how to take this seriously now but anyways metzger uh says john isn't saying what he means he just means what he means and so you know basically what he's what he's saying is that you know john is, is naturally speaking Uh, about what he has seen. Like the idea of gemstones, by the way, those gemstones, you can actually find them on the priestly garment. The high priest would wear an ephod and on on the ephod were actual gemstones and you could find these stones there on his ephod. And so a lot of this is imagery and illusion that has already been found in the Bible that he is describing um, as he sees this vision unfold. So is it literal? I don't think, I don't even know if I don't, I'm, I'm not even convinced that uh, John wants us to take this literal. I think he wants us that,
0: to- That's, that's fair. Uh, I will say, I, I will hedge on, I do believe without a doubt, John literally had a vision of these things. Like that's what he saw. Yes, he wasn't sitting. He wasn't sitting back just being completely cryptic This was, this was, it might have been cryptic, but this was something that God showed him as cryptic. The same way you and I can have prophetic dreams, we can have visions. God really shows those things to us and reveals something about Himself literally, but it's communicating something literarily.
2: That's correct. Like,
0: that's the difference. Like, it it, this is true for the Bible. If you don't, it doesn't mean when, when Jesus you know jesus literally walked on water jesus literally opened blind eyes he literally died on the cross but you're supposed to read it literarily it's supposed to speak something greater to you um and i think i think that's a huge piece but so let's i just want to make sure that our, our listeners don't uh don't hear you say it's not literal it's it is john literally saw those things but these things were given as pictures. Uh, and, and, and is that, if, if we can have a vision of God in the throne room, is that what he would look like? I think so. I think, I don't think it was like this big stretch. Um, I think John was scraping at language. I think when he says, like Jasper and Carnelian, I think he's picking the closest thing he could think about what was radiating from what yes. he was seeing. Yeah. Um, it is it is tough. I think, I think it has to be a bunch of things. I think to, to really have the faith in the book, you, you've got to actually give it some literal authority and just say, I, you know what, I believe this to be true. I went through a season in my life where I was way too deconstructionalist on my reading of the Bible, and I started whittling away how much authority I gave it and tried to over-explain it. There needs to be just a simplicity of faith when you come to the scripture where you just say, like, I believe it. I believe this is what it's, I, I believe it's true. I believe what it says happened, happened. When it says Jonah was eaten by a giant fish, I'm gonna believe that. Um, I don't. I don't need to try to like suspend my disbelief. I, I actually choose to believe it and believe that God's big enough. You know what? Does science back up that a guy could be eaten by a fish and hang out for three days? Not at all. But I don't hang my faith on what science has proven. And God is bigger and outside of it. So, all that to say, it's super important with the scripture that you. Approach it by faith, give it that authority, but don't take it so literally to miss the point. If,
2: that's a, if that that's makes well, sense. That's, that's well put. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, that's a so, that's a
2: great that's a great clarification.
0: Right. So, like yeah. like don't don't read Revelation so literally that you miss the point. Uh, Greg, what do you what are your thoughts on that? You spend a lot of time in the Bible. You're muted. <laughs> yeah, I'm just uh, thinking about the
3: book of Revelation specifically. I would say that, uh, that John is writing uh, about the vision that he saw. And a lot of the language he's using is it's symbolic. Uh, and a lot of it too is, as, as Seth already mentioned, is him trying to grasp language to convey what he's seeing when he really can't even fully explain what he's seeing. Um, but that there's a lot of symbolism contained in the book of Revelation that's referring to a literal reality. So there's, a, there's both. So is, is it literal? Yes, but not specifically the way that it's described like not a You know, as, as Seth commented there are, there are terms there that are used to help you to, to convey a truth That might not be exactly like a in the book of Psalms. It talks about how how God brings his children under his wings Does that literally mean that God has physical wings that he's a cosmic chicken of some guy? Right, well, no, of course not that's just symbolism. it's 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 a metaphor for us to understand how God cares for his people and how he, he watches out for them. Uh, but it gives us a picture of who he is. And I, I think John in a lot of his writing is using symbolism to convey a, a reality that he's seeing in his vision.
0: Yeah, that, that's huge. I wanna, I wanna, I'm trying to pull something up for you guys. I might see if I can share it on my screen. Uh, one, of the, one of the many uh, books I have, I have been studying Uh, is a book called Discipleship on the Edge by a guy named Daryl Johnson. And it's a, it's a book, it's a, it's a commentary on the book of Revelation. And in it, if I can see if I can pull this up, he, he actually says something super helpful when it comes to understanding how to take the imagery and how to understand the imagery in the, in the book of Revelation. Check this, check this quote out. See if I can, you think I can screen share? Yeah. Let's see if I can do it. Let's see. All right. Y'all are going to see my screen here for a second. Is that, is that working? Well, the beautiful
3: thing is we won't know for another 40 seconds. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. So, Oh, what do you, can you, Greg, Seth, can you see my screen?
2: I Not yet. Not yet.
0: You can't. All right. Oh, it's there right. we go. See we see that, we can, go. See that? We, can see we can see it now. Yeah. All right. So I wanted you to read, uh, here we go. Yes, all right, everyone check this out. So this will help, I thought this is so well put. Here's what I got highlighted. Apocalyptic literature accomplishes accomplishes its purposes through vivid injury or imagery, sometimes grotesquely vivid imagery, why? Because truth conveyed in imagery transforms our vision more powerfully than truth conveyed in propositional language imagery goes beyond the intellect through the emotions in the imagination that is where we live in the imagination imagery has the capacity to go beyond the intellect through the emotions into the imagination so the intellect is informed and the emotions are ignited with hope and then he shows these pictures of famous uh you can see those famous like uh political comics political like art render or what are they call like political yes
2: like satire uh,
0: yeah it's like political satire so you've got one there like with the the elephant and the noose uh this one says our moral fabric so and what he was what he was getting at is that that's actually the best way to understand uh the best way to understand some of the imagery that john was using uh again that john saw Uh, i don't again i don't want to lose that is to understand it like some of our our political comics basically um it it communicates something bigger than what the picture itself is i hope that's helpful because i I know people get off in the weeds pretty bad we all do not just people myself included get off in the weeds pretty bad when it comes to when it comes to revelation so i thought you did a good job seth talking about symbols today if you had the apple symbol and that kind of thing all right What else? We got lots of questions in tonight. Do we? Do we want to go to? Yeah, we do have have a caller waiting. All right, let's do it. We got a caller. Caller. We do. All right, let's let her in. Jane. See if she's there. Oh, she she left. There she She is. (laughs) Jane. Vanessa. Oh. Vanessa and Jane, awesome. How's it going? Good. Welcome to the hottest show <laughs> on Sunday nights. <laughs> yes. Sunday night live, Bible QA, and everything else. And welcome, Vanessa. Home. How are you?
4: I'm good. How are you guys?
0: Good. You well, staying nice. appropriately isolated?
4: Yes, I'm following the rules. Good. As tough as it is, as tough as it is, I'm trying to get through it, so.
0: Yeah, yep, we all are. What do you got for a question?
4: Um, thanks, thanks, by the way. Yeah, no problem. Um, mine's kind of not necessarily related to um, the message this morning, but just more so what's going on in the world and, and as a, a young adult, just kind of how to take that on. Um, mm-hmm. I know me personally, uh, I've had quite a few things swept out from under my feet and. the past couple weeks I was supposed to be graduating in May and in Dallas right now for a a major sporting event and just different things like that and uh, just as a Christian you know I mean I personally know that God has always got a plan going on in the behind the scenes but I think something I've been struggling with and I'm sure no matter what age you're at or what what stage of life you're in it's a question you're struggling with is Right now, yes, there's a plan, you know that, but how do you um, kind of transcend that and really take a grasp of it and understand it when you can't necessarily see an end or understand in the moment what's going on? It's just like, how can someone that is young or might be new in their faith, how to really take a hold of that and and ground yourself in that moving forward?
0: Right. So. So just to bring that into, so you're home, you're about to graduate from university. You spent the last four years there uh, studying and playing playing high level hockey, right? And so, um, and you basically, you're gonna miss graduation. You're gonna miss like the end of your hockey, your university hockey career, like pretty major sucky Stop. yeah it
4: was uh yeah we were I mean it was the end of or it seems like it's going to be the end of my athletic career in hockey as of right now um and it's the end of my education so to speak until I decide what to do next and so yeah we had huge plans as a, as a team to be a three-time national championship team and we were in a very good spot to be able to do that and just not understanding why that's not happening now and and a hard conversation I even had with some people is like, did I have that too much as like an idol? Like was I holding on to sports too much and putting it above my relationship with God and, Mm. and and diving deeper into that. And is that why he's pulling it away? Um, Or is there something else that I'm just not understanding? I think it's just really hard to, mentally
0: processed through that right now. Yeah. I, I'll i let the other guys take a crack too. A couple of thoughts jump out to me, Vanessa. Like the, one thing right off the top is even as a Christian, it, it just because the Bible says that God will cause all things to come together for your good, just because we believe the Bible, when it says like God will discipline us to, to make us better, um, you know, obviously God has allowed this um but there's a difference between that and that like god caused it And i think sometimes as christians we're not good at grieving and just like actually letting it be crappy you know like again i've got i've got some thoughts out as to like how to anchor into what's greater but i think i think just like loss is loss i i think at, at some level you're allowed you're allowed to be you know cheesed about that and i think sometimes I worry about people who just like plow through and don't actually properly maybe grieve when they lose something. And, it, you know, so on the one hand, I I would just say, I would say about the whole Corona thing too. I am the first to say that God's using it and God's going to do good things through it. But I don't think, I don't think God caused it. I don't think God's the author of these things. I don't think God's necessarily the one that's behind, you know, people losing their jobs uh people losing their lives you know those things are 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 happening i think it's a result of sin i think it's a result of living in a fallen world and i think the hard part for us to wrap our head around is god could stop it and god could keep us from it and but it is important i think when we first start processing that actually you know god god like doesn't God doesn't um, remove like Jesus said you know blessed are those who mourn implying you know mourning is part of this grieving is part of this like loss is part of this and that God wants to meet you in that and so I think I think the first thing I'd say is I just agree with you Like that, that sucks and it's uh it's it's just it just sucks so and this whole thing sucks not for everyone and some people are losing more than others, and some people have lost their jobs. And um, so, I think I think first and foremost, we need we need as Christians to be good about dealing with reality and calling it what it is. And um, and then, I think we start anchoring it in in bigger things. And I'll let the other guys speak after after I just say this. One of the things that I've taken a lot of comfort in. So I've had to do I've had to do some funerals, for instance, of friends who have lost kids. And like that's probably the worst that that you know anybody could go through. I think. I can't I can't imagine anything, anything heavier than that in the human experience and losing a child. And at those point at those those big things in life that get ripped away from you where really you just can't make sense of it. Like there's, you know, some things you like, I lost this job and God's going to give me a better one. Right. You know, but some things you just, just suck and you can't make sense of it. Those are the ones that I kind of nail to that picture in revelation 21, where it says like in the end, we'll all stand before God redeemed and satisfied with how he brought us through it. And that somehow I'm going to trust that he knows more than I do in the big picture and that what he's going to balance this loss out, like there's going to be such a weighty gain on the other side of this. I don't know how he's going to do it. You know? And I've, I've thought about that for, for friends who have lost children. I don't know how he's going to do it, but when I do the math and it says like, there's no crying in heaven and there's no crying in the end, that means that there's no regrets. There's no, like, you're not going to be in, here's, here's how I would say it. You're not going to be in the eternity someday when it's all said and done and you're enjoying your forever health and your forever life, you're not going to look back on and be like, oh, I wish I could have won that last, that last tournament, you know, like, you're not going to, you're not going to look back and be like, if I only could have walked across the stage, you know, so I think those things in, in life are legit. And for the things that I can't do the math on in this life, I kind of dump it into that picture in the end where it's like, Okay, based on what I'm trusting my life to, and based on what I'm trusting that God has said, somehow you're gonna you're gonna make this so that I look back and that I say, God, you led me perfect, and thank you, and I, you know, so I, I think that's that's how I approach the big ones, cause cause again, I I can't explain to you why it's I just don't think it's good that you don't get, you know what I mean? Like it just sucks and. I think for those things, you trust the justice and the goodness of God, right? Same thing for people who have been um, been hurt by somebody, uh, where God says, like, vengeance is mine. You trust vengeance and justice to him the same way you trust redemption to him. So you guys have a thought?
3: Yeah, I, was, uh, yeah, I would say, Vanessa, that you're not alone in, in thinking about things like that either, because there are lots of people that are dealing with disappointment right now. You know, I was thinking about people that were heading towards graduation, had proms they were looking forward to over the next couple of months, and who knows what's going to happen with all of those. Um, Well, even in in my household, uh, we were making plans for my son's birthday party, and all of a sudden that didn't happen, right? us too. All kinds of, uh, yeah, exactly, all kinds of people that are facing disappointments right now. And it, it makes me think about, you know, in the Old Testament, all through the book of Psalms, you know, many of the Psalms are about disappointment, they're about disillusionment, they're about people that are disappointed in God in some way, or disappointed in their circumstances, and that they have questions about that, um, and it's an honest thing that people are dealing with right now. It's an honest emotion, it's an honest feeling, um, and people are justified to feel uh, that sense of loss. Um, but the, you know, I mentioned Psalms, there's a Psalm 46 is my favorite Psalm, and it talks about how God is our refuge and He's our strength, mm-hmm. that He's an ever-present help in trouble. Uh, it talks about how we won't fear, though the earth give away and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea. It talks about really a world that's in uproar and a world that's in turmoil all around us. Uh, but towards the end of that Psalm, it talks about how He lifts His voice and the earth melts. It talks about how, you know, we can be still before Him and realize that He is God and He's got it all under His control. Uh, And really, when it comes down to it, we can just, you know, we may face disappointments, we may feel times of loss, um, but we can also hold on to his promise that he will never leave us or forsake us, even in those times.
0: That's good. Yeah, I would say, I would say, Vanessa, I would anchor, I would anchor it in eternity, and then at the same time, start to, start to expect God, you know, I, I, wouldn't put it past God with this season of your life for you within your lifetime to even be, even look back and be like, well, that sucked. I wouldn't have chosen it that way. I wouldn't have chosen it that way, but I'm glad it happened. You know, I, I think I have lived long enough. I'm only 37, but I've lived long enough to have a few setbacks where I saw how God used that as a fork in the road moment that took me somewhere else. And if enough time passes where God gets his, gets to to guide your life, I think He can cause some things to come together. So, so I say it's both. I'd say with the grief at all, grief of it all, you anchor it in. Okay, God, I'm just gonna trust You. I'm not gonna carry, I'm not gonna carry the day-to-day grief of that forever. But then I would try to flip my expectation to it. I'm gonna trust that You're actually gonna work it out for my good in this life, not just not just in the life to come
4: absolutely i appreciate that i agree with that it's just been one of those things where it's taken time to kind of get through i've only been home for a week but it's still i mean it's pretty fresh and it's fresh for a lot of different people in a lot of different ways so
2: yeah uh, absolutely i think i uh, i i know i i can i i can speak for myself probably for all of us we're feeling we're feeling for you with you right now and i think you 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 have permission god actually gives us permission to grieve i love what brent was saying you know, and I love the fact that Greg read a Psalm to us. Um, Psalms are a great place to go when you're grieving <laughs> um, because they, they don't just speak to us. They actually speak for us. They give us the words that we need to say to God. It's it's the Bible's prayer book. Right. And uh, I, I, I'm, I'm feeling for you. I lost my baseball season, a <laughs> senior in high school to mono. <laughs> I lost it. And And I was planning, honestly, I'm not
0: laughing. I'm not laughing.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Vanessa, I, I was my dream. My goal was to go play baseball in college on a, on a scholarship and, and to do that. And I was, you know, I set goals and I lost, I lost it all. I lost my senior year, all that. And uh, I felt a lot like what you're feeling right now. And I don't know what it's going to play out for you, but this is a good time. It's, It's these times that actually help us anchor now. You know, it it just to kind of like, this is an anchoring time and it forced me to, to anchor deep down with the Lord. And like, as Brent was saying, I look back and I'm saying, I'm grateful for that. I'm married to have three beautiful children. I probably would have never met Brent or any of these guys if I'd been in the major league baseball right now. Um, But, um, but God, God, God has a way of working these things out for us over time. We just can't see it. Um, But in the midst of it you know, certainly we, uh, we empathize with you. I'll pray for you, Vanessa. And, uh, and uh, yeah, thanks for the question. That's that was awesome.
1: Yeah.
0: Don't let Seth fool you. He's a freak athlete. I know he doesn't look like much. He doesn't look like much, but he's, he's actually really good at every, at everything. I
1: believe
0: it? Yeah, actually, well, I would say one more thing and we'll, we'll let you go. You called three pastors, so you're going to get a full sermon. Uh, God won't waste it. I know that like he won't he won't just let it be lost like he will that he will do something out of it I'm confident of that um it's a loss but he won't waste it and in the end it will be good so yeah. I, that's that's what I would hang on to amen while you're while you're quarantined and have to think about it with nowhere to go for another <laughs> another seven I know another, another week we all
4: just set in, you know <laughs> I
0: know. It makes it harder even but yeah well thanks for the call vanessa we appreciate it awesome thank
4: you so much for taking the
0: time our pleasure we'll see you later
4: see
0: ya all right that was a good question uh we got a couple more there's lots of lots of comments going that was man you feel that 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 was uh that was really cool honest honest question so um, she she's like underselling she's like national champ like uh you know ncaa hockey right she's sitting there pretending like it's any old championship it's, it's <laughs> like she, she's playing the high level stuff here
3: right you
0: so, right. yeah
3: yeah And yeah. she was asking that for a lot of people so
0: yeah absolutely everyone's got their thing um uh so what else what uh, some other questions here uh, I saw one. We can answer real quick. Do you need to speak in tongues to be saved or go to heaven? Do you need to speak in tongues to be saved or go to heaven? Uh, no. Next question. <laughs> no, you don't. No, you don't. Yeah. Um, I think uh, I've I've actually I've actually taught on on the gifts of the spirit. I talk, I've, I've taught on tongues. Uh, if you go back a couple years ago, I talked about it. And uh, we, we believe that it truly is a gift of the spirit. And it is something that God uses to edify. Uh, we can use to edify ourselves in God. Um, I, I have a prayer language. So I'm the first to, I'll be the first to affirm it. It's absolutely changed my life. Um, but I don't believe that you need to speak in tongues to go to heaven, because then that would be like saying, it is by grace alone and tongues that we are saved. It's like adding something to salvation, which you just, you just can't do. Um, the only reason, I answered this last week, the only reason that we have access to God, access to heaven, is by the grace of God and Jesus Christ. There's no other answer There's no other. He fulfilled all the requirements. So everything after that is just after you believe stuff. So I could argue here why it's a good thing to speak in tongues, why your life will be better for it. Um, But it is not the requirement to get into heaven. So it's good evidence. It's good evidence that heaven's getting into you, though. I will say that. But not it's not. uh, No, you get into heaven through the grace of Jesus all right what else we got a couple more we having fun tonight hey we got it we got it. we got a faithful faithful crew out here some questions coming in Trying to get caught up Do you guys catch any good questions there while i was talking i'm looking here uh, you speak in tongues yeah there's the one uh there was a question about purgatory where'd that go i thought that'd be fun to hit because there, there was a question about it and another person said yeah that um where is it oh here it is just out of curiosity because it has come up in small group what is your thoughts what are your thoughts on purgatory i'd appreciate some insight on how to go about this subject what are your thoughts on purgatory greg (laughs) yeah greg
3: well thanks guys
0: (laughs) I, i really appreciate that um
3: well really quick the uh you know, there's an idea of pur- purgatory. The theology of purgatory is really a Catholic uh, theology um, in that a, a Christian soul goes to this place called purgatory uh, after death to be cleansed of sins uh, that haven't really been taken care of during their lifetime. So it's a place really uh, in Catholic theology where believers go after they die, where they're going to be refined, when uh, any sin that still remains in them is going to be uh be washed oh, away and be burned away yeah. it's gonna be taken care of um and um, yeah. i don't really see that in scripture myself um i do believe that the bible talks about how jesus died to take away the penalty of our sinfulness that he he his sacrifice is totally uh, sufficient um and that he takes care of that when we come to him that he he works uh, through our lives and he cleanses us of uh, of our sinfulness here and now And that when we, uh, when we die, we don't have to go to some kind of a waiting room or some kind of a location where he's going to take care of
0: what's left, Uh, but he welcomes us freely into his presence. Yeah. Yeah. Purgatory is not actually explicitly in the Bible. Um, Like there's no, the word purgatory, I don't believe is in the Bible. Uh, Purgatory is in the show Lost. Um, (laughs) That's true. Where it turns out, spoiler uh, to the worst ending of the of, of a good series of all time, uh, turns out John Locke and Hurley and Kate were in purgatory on the island. Anyway, um, yeah, purgatory is not in the Bible. The other thing I would I would say, uh, I, we don't know what happens after you die, other than a few things the Bible tells us. But again, uh, there's a fine line when I get thinking about. Uh, that there's unfinished business you know after death I, I still think the reason you get into heaven is through the grace of god and not through some other mechanism some post-mortem mechanism that you know christ christ's blood and the atoning the atonement of the cross wasn't quite enough so we're going to create this sort of waiting room that you go to where we'll work out the rest of the kinks and get you really heaven ready right. you know the the Bible's either true in what it says, in that, you know, the blood of Jesus has cleansed us from all unrighteousness, or it's not true. And I I think purgatory, there are some real doctrinal problems, if you ask me, with, with purgatory in that regard, that there's just like the unfinished work of the cross, apparently means you have to go to purgatory i don't know all i know is it's not in the bible and it's not part of our theology
3: no it's you know the bible says that to be away from the body is to be at home with the lord Uh, it doesn't leave room for there to be someplace in between yeah
0: yeah and you i will say this too uh test the spirits and judge a tree by its fruit if you look through christian history at doctrine and therefore uh you know, orthodoxy and orthopraxy, like, like actions that were derived from that doctrine, some pretty ugly stuff happened, you know, because of some bad doctrine about what happens after you die. Like that's where you get Catholic indulgences, right? Like back in the day, people would pay uh, the church money in order to like free or speed up a loved one's time in purgatory. So if you like cranked up your offering, the priest will put in a good word for you and they get your loved one out of purgatory a little quicker. Um, There's zero biblical grounds for that. That's what happens when people don't get to read the Bible for themselves at some level, I think. But um, thank you, Martin Luther. We, (laughs) yeah, you you didn't have anything to say about purgatory.
2: You guys did it well. Oh, thanks. You guys are experts nice. in it i okay. uh, just uh, i'll just add I'll just add to it that you know um I did a little bit of research on this a little bit um at one time, but the Bible completely says that our refinement happens right now, yeah, right mm. when we're on earth there is no yep. the, the Bible doesn't talk about any other refinement for holiness to get into heaven after we die it is all happening right now so Yep. Uh, just my yep. my two cents that's that's what the scripture affirms there's a lot of different scriptures out there that a lot of people would go to and support a purgatory but again yep. this is why we have to be very very careful about understanding the context in which uh these verses are being held to so yeah
0: yeah yeah and that comes back to the thing greg and i said last week about a lot of our interpretation of revelation is through the book of revelation is actually coming through an ideology or an understanding that was handed to you and not uh, something that's come through biblical study, exegesis. And I just wanna again, push people to like dig, study, read the Bible, go to the back of the Bible. And like, if you have a question about uh, purgatory, look for the word purgatory in the word index and just see if it's even in there um you know like look like if you, if you ever have a question about like how do i relate to god it's in the scripture like it's in there it's in there um so dig for yourself you know there's a lot of there's a lot of just bad christian tradition that's not just in the catholic church right like let's just be fair it's not just in the catholic church that yeah there's bad christian tradition that's just passed on through ri- ritual and just generational recital and it's not actually biblical you know the Hmm. there's some stupid ones like if anybody ever tells you the king james bible is the only bible you right there know that they don't actually like they're they don't they're dumb (laughs) like it's a translation um there's just so many crazy ones like that. We just need to, you need, to, we need to get into the scripture for ourselves. So um, there's no biblical precedent for having to talk to God through a priest. It's not in the Bible. Jesus is our great high priest. Uh, there's a role of priests. There's, there's a role for pastors, but we are not the mediator. Like so many things that will blow your mind that aren't actually in the Bible. Like, we, like the, how we talked about the rapture last week. Um, just so many things that uh, you really, you really need to test the teaching that you hear. Test the spirits, like the Bible says. Test the spirits. That you know, if, if somebody comes and they are they they sound like they're compelling, if they aren't preaching Christ crucified and risen, then don't don't bother with it. So, all right, rant over. We have a couple more.
3: Yeah, we have uh, Kelly O'Brien waiting uh, as a caller.
0: Okay, what's Kelly got?
3: I'll bring her in. Of course, as I do that, uh, there's that delay, so she may or may not be ready for us. Oh, there she is. Hey, Kelly.
0: Hey, Kelly. Oh, oh no audio, Kelly. She says connecting to audio. i will get you. We're having some technical difficulties in the field. Uh, got no audio, Kelly. See if we can get that worked out. Yeah, it's not showing up here. No, I think there might need to be a button pressed on her end possibly. All right, let's find another question. question. Oh, I think
3: she's there now. Hey Kelly, Kelly.
1: all right. Uh, Now I have the worst worst luck trying to, even on 1228. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now I have the
3: worst work. you yeah, like a...
1: <laughs> I do, 1228, All right. on your All right. 1228 on me. All right, You're anyway. not tech savvy.
0: What do you got, what's your question?
1: Okay, this is my question, or my, yeah, my question. We are going through COVID-19. I do not believe that this is anything to do with the Lord that He brought this to us at all, but I, I really truly believe, pastors, that He is going to bring something so awesome from this that we don't even we can't even we can't even comprehend the awesomeness of it. Um, what do you think about that? Do you think that um, we are going to be elevated from it, maybe a little bit?
0: elevated like improved yeah. made better Definitely yeah. as a
1: church yes yes Very as much. a church made better
0: yeah yeah so, so your question is do do we think that the covid this crisis is going to be for used for absolutely no question awesome yeah no question i i think uh again like we were saying to the to the to the uh, vanessa who we we're just talking to I think, uh, without a doubt, there's just crappy things that are happening because of this. And call a spade a spade, this isn't fun. This isn't enjoyable. It's concerning um, on a number of levels, but it is a breeding ground for God to do something great um, in His people and on the earth. And I think.
1: And what many, are you hoping, many, Pastor Brent?
0: I'm hoping. do you for, hoping a for our church?
1: What do you What do you want from our church? What do you want for, from us?
0: Uh, from us, I want renewal. I want God to, I want God to renew uh, our our love for Him. I want Him to uh, rekindle passion like never before. Like actually ignite passion in us like never before. I also want like uh, a revolution in that this is, needs to give. I don't want to go back to the church we were. I don't want to stay here um, either. I don't want to always be doing digital. Oh, I'm thankful for it. Oh no! I don't need. We were we 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 had a meeting with some of our uh, pastoral leaders last week, and we're saying, you know, a month ago we were doing church model A. We're this is how we were operating. We are no longer doing that. Right now we're doing B. Uh, When this is done, though, we're not going back to A. We're going to go to C, and we're going to and God's going to give birth to some other thing. Again, there will be lots of things about what we do that we've always done and will always do and I think there's some things that we're uncovering even now and God is developing in us that are going to start to continue to grow and evolve and so I absolutely view this as a birth pain birth, like uh, giving birth to something else so yeah.
1: contractions
0: awesome. uh,
1: so. this is not this is not this has been a, a very inconvenient um unsettling thing for us as a church for sure um because we can't we can't get together as we normally did one-on-one all you know but it has been an awesome learning experience for a whole lot of us to be able to get together online um and to teach our seniors that have never been able to get online to do it this way that they can't get out and so we're doing it this way we're showing them how to do it this way. So I think, I really think that God is really teaching. I can't say us, the younger, because I'm, <laughs> I'm a, lot, a lot older than you guys are. But even the seniors that are more senior than I am, we are teaching them how to connect with the church on a different level. And I think yeah. that God is, it's, it's really awesome that he's doing that for all of us.
0: Yeah, we're having to be super intentional, right? Like we're gonna, we have to be intentional, and God, I think God loves to work through that. Like I don't, I don't know about anybody else watching today, but we, uh, we did communion on the service this weekend. Yes, we did and too. And I, I did that with my family, like watching myself lead communion, and I'm sitting there with my wife and kids, and just the power of the Holy Spirit was so, so present. And we actually had a, we actually had a woman email us that had just stumbled upon our service and and just like repented and and asked for salvation right there during communion today so god's doing crazy crazy awesome things it's awesome and so yeah yeah, i'm 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 excited as much as i am you know not loving being quarantined
1: i know we're in quarantine we can't we can't even go out for another till friday like we are in quarantine we've been away for um three months so we are definitely home we are home home alone we can't yeah. wait to see you guys we can't see, wait to see family i am so excited i am telling you right now my spirit is just on fire for what is going to happen at our church i oh thanks kelly i just know it like i just know
0: it yeah me and too i, just, I think in that you church
1: god, you have you have led us and i thank god for our for you guys like i i'm just um I'm just so thankful for the leadership that we have from you guys, from all of you, from all our pastors, from, you know, everybody, like you guys have been awesome all through this. I just, I just, I'm just so, so thankful for all of you.
0: Thanks. Thanks Kelly. We'll pay you after.
1: So if you, uh, (laughs) you hang out there, we'll make sure, we'll make sure
0: you get your money. So we appreciate it. (laughs) No, Thank you. Thank you, Kelly.
1: We appreciate We appreciate it. My my fees are very cheap. have a good good night thanks
0: kelly um okay so let's get uh, we're almost done here i think i think we've let's get maybe i saw one question come in about so a statement maybe okay yeah there it is um my husband passed away this oh this is a this is a this is a popular conversation in the Ingersoll house just so you know so my husband passed away a year ago. Uh, this is Barbara. Sorry, we sorry to hear that, Barbara, and he was cremated. When the Lord comes, will I know him? So it's a question about cremation, I think, and so go. <laughs> what do you got, Seth?
2: Uh, I was going to default to Greg on this one actually. he's okay. He's- <laughs>
0: I, I've, I've got, I've got a strong opinion. You ask my family, but, uh, no, I, I, I don't. <laughs> Greg, what do you think? What do you think? Barbara, Barbara is wondering, uh, my husband was cremated and when he, when the Lord comes, will I know him?
3: Um, I believe you would. Yeah. I don't, uh, I, I believe that when, uh, when the Lord comes and we, we meet him and, and we're raised to life, raised in new life with him. Uh, we'll have new bodies but that will recognize each other, and I don't know exactly how all that will unfold, but I, I don't think you'll have to worry about not knowing him.
0: I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I, okay, you ready for my cremation rant? I know you spent a lot of time on this, so go you ahead. You ready? You're ready? <laughs> I've never, <laughs> I've ne- I would never say this from the pulpit because this is not authoritative. This is just, this is, this is just Brent Ingersoll's musings on here I have loved ones God-fearing, redeemed, restored, saved in heaven people who are cremated so it's not a question of whether or not like if you're cremated, if you're not, I fully believe again it, did the grace of God in Jesus Christ cover you or not that's it there's there's just, when it really says there's nothing else that you can do or could be done, it's solely upon the grace of God in Christ Jesus. Purgatory is not doing anything. Cremato- cre- cremation doesn't like all of those things are beside the point when it comes to your eternity, comes to being in heaven, getting to heaven. It's just about have you received the grace of God in Jesus Christ by faith, period. So, so that, um, here's why i'm not going to get cremated it's not because i won't get into heaven uh, for me it's a, it's a question of worship um and again if you get cremated i'm not going to judge you greg uh seth it's your call if you want your ashes seth if you want your ashes sprinkled out that ball diamond that you didn't get to play on in grade 12 If you want, if you want (laughs) on the, on the mound at Plasky High, (laughs) whatever, no, no judgment, man. Honestly, you're, you're going to go to heaven. I'll do it for you. Actually. I hope, I hope, I hope we're both too old for that. I hope not. No. Imagine 96 year old Brent just making us one last trek to Plasky for his old buddy, Seth.
2: (laughs) It's going to be in my will. You're gonna do
0: it.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know what's funny is you would. You would just to just to get at me. Yeah. Um, so I cannot hedge enough before I say, here's why I'm not getting cremated, is because um I'm gonna I'm gonna be I'm gonna be just buried, old good old school burial in a coffin. Um and it's just because it's a it's a nod to my faith. It's a nod to the fact that like I expect to be risen in body. When I expect that God is going to recreate my body, and do I think that I'm going to be risen up literally like where my grave plot is? No, probably not. I don't know where God's going to like reassemble me. Um, but when I die, you know, uh, cremation is a pagan ritual. Uh, it's not. It's not actually a Jewish or a Christian tradition. It's not that we can't redeem it. But um, for me, I'm going to be. I'm going to be putting an old grave plot, just like the rest, of, just like the old, your old standard grave plot. This is a real morbid conversation, isn't it? But uh, because I wanted, to, I wanted to point to my expectation. Let me say it like that. And my expectation is that Brent Ingersoll is gonna rise again with a new body, the same way Jesus came out of the grave in body. He left the old gra- grave clothes behind. He came out in, in a new body. He looked like Jesus, but he wasn't, he didn't totally look like Jesus. He had like this Jesus 2.0 kind of thing. And I'm expecting Brent 2.0 to come out of it, you know, like to be to be to, in literal body. So all that to say, there's a long answer to say, I'm not gonna be cremated because I want, to, I want even in death to, to be laid to rest in a position of worship and confidence and it's pointing to my hope. Not saying you can't be cremated and go to heaven, not saying that you can't find a way to worship, in cremation for me. That's why I shall be laid to rest in a box. What do you say, Seth?
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, Brent's going to be going to Pulaski with me. So uh, that's
1: kinda...
2: <laughs> No, um, just to back to the original question, when the Lord comes, will I know him? Uh, yeah, I'm in full agreement with that. I think that's That's part of, that's part of our hope, right?
0: There is a serious follow-up question here. I see, um, on, uh, from Jock Hiltz. He says, what if I get (laughs) taxidermy? Um, (laughs) oh boy. Sometimes (laughs) I feel like that after
3: supper, you know, I feel like I'm stuffed.
0: (laughs) Oh, here we go. Here we go. Greg's dishing them out. (laughs) Sorry. Serve that one up on a platter. Uh, all right it's good um okay one more question and then i'm signing off i got a i got an 8 30 meeting here people so i got another another zoom call to make um in regards to the question of speaking in tongues here are two messages oh okay never mind that wasn't a question someone posted was there any other questions we wanted to cover before we go won't we be given a new body when christ comes yep All right, well, is that it? We all clear for one night? Should Christians, oh, let's do one more. Let's do one more non-divisive. Uh, Oh man, I don't know if we should do this or not. Uh, All right, why not? Should, <laughs> I've, already, I've already offended everybody who's been cremated. So, or not them, their loved ones. The people who have been cremated don't care. Yeah. which by the way the bible says nothing about how you should be buried. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. This is just this is a, this is pure brenting your soul over <laughs> something that doesn't doesn't really do it, do what you want. You're dead. It doesn't it doesn't really matter that much, but all right, here's the last one. Should where is it? Should Christians before or against the death penalty? See you guys, it's been a nice night. I'm gonna sign out and you guys uh, go ahead and finish this one off.
3: Yeah, I have an 817 meeting, see you, Seth.
0: (laughs) Uh, What do you think? Should Christians be for or against the death penalty?
3: Total silence. I have
0: an answer, but
3: I do. Yeah, I, I, I'm personally, I, I'm against it, um, mostly because of the, uh, the margin of error. You know, I, uh, I guess it's, it's a personal thing. I don't think that, uh, that I, I don't think we should be making decisions that are, are final if there's, if there's a possibility of that judgment being incorrect.
0: Um, yeah, I I I generally I think I wouldn't I wouldn't I won't I won't answer this with a blanket a blanket never, um, because at some level, you know, if somebody uh, you know if somebody if somebody like comes into your home and they're inflicting massive damage and you, on your family or your loved ones and you in order to save them end up taking a life at one at some level that is that is a death penalty um but uh so i'll be real careful to make blanket statements but i will say this the general approach as a christian is to seek redemption to seek forgiveness to seek hope to seek life and to trust god as final judge on when someone should take their last breath so I'm not nine. I'm not a hundred percent door closed on it. I think I could cook up some situations, but I, I generally don't think it's good to argue from that zero point zero one percent extreme. I think that's where the abortion debate goes wrong. Is you'll you'll hear people who are pro pro choice say, well, what about this 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 and this and this one kind of crazy scenario. What about that? And like, I, I think you actually should start at the majority of cases. And I will say the vast, the vast majority of, uh, for Christians, I think our approach should generally be seeking life, seeking forgiveness. Uh, I think death penalty at its root ends up coming down to, is a person safe for other people? Um, that to me is the only time that I could maybe take take that logic far enough Um, but I wouldn't want to be the one. I mean, I I don't think I I don't think I'd want to be the one that's got to put the injection in or flip the switch or whatever it's gonna be, you know. Like I I don't know. I I, Jesus, Jesus was executed, he wasn't the executioner. And I I think it's very hard. Again, I think there's a place for standing up for the oppressed. Um, there's a place for protection that's why i'm not against like i i hate war but if you know if, if i lived in in the in like the 19 1940s and hitler was threatening you know my family and my country uh, i i'm not going to stand by i'm like i'm not a pacifist mm-hmm. um but at the same time uh legisl- legislating death is a very scary thing I would try to avoid uh, at all costs. So that's my, my general take is generally no, we shouldn't be in support of it, but there's probably some cases in which uh, you could justify somebody like a, someone that's just gonna harm people um, that maybe there's no other solution other than their execution, I don't know. But even that, like, even that, like, is just getting, yeah. I don't know, I, I don't, I, I just don't want to be judge, jury and executioner. I, I just don't think it's, uh, I, don't, I don't know, man. Yeah, I, I would I
3: say that over the last number of years when we've seen in the news, different um, different terrorists or different dictators being executed or being killed, in an uprising, uh, it's concerned me when I've seen people celebrating, uh, that, especially when I've seen believers celebrating that yeah. because it's, you know, that person no longer has a chance to repent and, uh, and turn to, turn to Christ and receive what, what Christ died to give, give that person.
0: I think we should always grieve, always grieve death at the same time though. You know, we also, we also live in a society here in the West that's so far removed from bloodshed and violence from what so many other people in human history and what the world have lived through, where you know the the idea of celebrating uh, the end of a regime and the death of a tyrant it's I want to be careful speaking to that when I've never lived under one, yeah and i've never I've never seen. My kids, my kids or my life brutally affected by it. Like you know, so I think these are complicated things, these are complicated issues. At the end of the day, we seek life, we seek forgiveness and redemption, we also seek seek the protection of people. That's also to, to be like Christ is to lay your life down, to take up the cause of the oppressed, to, to stand for justice. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm definitely not a pacifist. I'm I'm definitely not someone who says a Christian can't fight in war. Uh, you know, don't if you want to message me, you know, you can you can do that at dan.lamis at kingschurch.cc, and, and I'll get back to you. But uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I don't know. Seth's been super quiet. The American.
2: Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I I think I just gotta like my personal opinion because I am an American, like this stuff is legislated by the state and it's often outside of our own hands and, and, and that regards, but every, every time growing up, even seeing that someone was being put to death, uh, there was just something inside of me that was like, this isn't, this doesn't feel right. You know, this just doesn't, I think it's just in my own spirit again, because we're so again to like Brent said, like to legislate death, we are people of life and, Um, people of resurrection and I think it's there's always been something there and it you know probably people my own family would have different opinions than I would even about that it's it is a divided issue especially in the United States
0: I think it's super important to just not be romantic like to not be too romantic about like I, I just think some people who advocate like against the death penalty so vehemently are actually too romantic and maybe have never actually gone through or been up. And I'm the first to say, I've, I've not had to deal with, you know, being oppressed. We throw that word around in our culture, like, oh, I'm oppressed, I'm unsafe, way too, like it's, I hope if this COVID thing does anything, it burns off some of that in our culture. Like uh, oppression is not that somebody disagrees with you. That's not oppression. Oppression is your life's in danger or you're being denied some basic right. Um, I've never lived under that. And uh, you know, to you know, as I read, as I read the the whole Bible, uh, there's death and there is execution, uh, but it's all held up. At the center with Jesus, who chose to love his enemies, uh, to to die, to die in the place where we all deserve, you know. That's the that's the the cross does say, you know, how do you know how like basically we're all we're all uh warranted the death penalty before God. Yeah. And he chose to not exact that upon us, but to, to put it on himself. Like it's just really hard. Here, here's maybe, here's a good guide, I'd say, before we're done. This is a general, a good guide for life. Can you do it in Jesus' name? Could you, could you, you know, hang a person in Jesus' name? Or, uh, you know, like, I, th- I think that's a good rule of thumb for life. Like, I'm doing this in the name of Jesus. Could you say, in Jesus' name, I'm taking your life? There might be a case where you are guarding, where someone could 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 die and you are literally laying your life down for someone else and protecting them. You might be able to say it. Um, I think that's the guide. And I think that's the only way you can thread the needle of these very complicated issues. And I will say that will probably eradicate a lot of the cases where it's like, you know what? I can't do that in Jesus name. Um, so, that's probably how I would answer that. Uh, can you do it in Jesus name? You probably could say that about a bunch of things. Can you watch that in Jesus name? Can you listen to that in Jesus name? Can you say that in Jesus name? Uh, that will start guiding you um, pretty uh, pretty profoundly. so well that's this has been a good conversation. We're, we're losing our viewership. We're going too long. I got an 8:30 meeting so this has been fun guys. It's been cool to just kind of hit these questions and uh, appreciate everybody hanging out with us tonight appreciate your questions um if you still have a question you can go ahead and put it in the feed and maybe we'll loop back around sometime this week and and put some uh, in for next weekend if we're back we'll probably be back next weekend there's nothing else to do we're quarantined it's not like sports are on so
2: i know that's rough man
0: <laughs> it is it really is that's the only thing i miss on tv is like i'm really missing the nba i'm not gonna lie I, it's true yeah i'm missing tough. it but anyway it's it's a cross i'll have to bear it's so stupid it's really so dumb when you think about it like the things that we're missing i don't know like tv and, and basketball and stuff anyway i'll live these are good days all right gentlemen have a great night thanks for uh thanks for tuning in everybody we'll uh see you this week
1: good to catch Not you guys good thanks see ya.